welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Elijah Fire today. Today is, you'll actually be seeing this on Friday, September 1st, and we're pre-airing it. So today is actually August 28th um, morning. So welcome, everybody, and we're so glad to have you back. This is episode 297 of Elijah Fire, and we're so glad to have you all back. This is the most amazing time to be alive, and God has us here, all of us here right now for a purpose. We're walking into our promises and our breakthroughs, and thank God that he is releasing tools and resources right now so that we can free ourselves of baggage and things that we're carrying and heaviness. So we're going to go into this new season free and clear, and that is what today's episode is going to be about. As the Lord leads, we have a returning guest today. Um, You know her. You've seen her here before, and she is such a bright light for the Lord and friends of many of you. I know that uh, she's a friend to all of us here at Elijah Fire. So as we welcome in our guest, um, you can find her also. She uh, founded Arise Kingdom Ministries, and you can find her all over the place doing incredible things. But we're so glad to have her back for today's episode, episode 297 with Krista Elisha. Krista, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here um, on another episode and to be with a new host today. Andrea, you're amazing. One, you're new and I love meeting new people at Elijah Fire. But also I was just talking to the Holy Spirit backstage and I felt like he said that one of the things that you carry is this purity and freedom from bitterness. Like you are so sweet. And so I'm really excited that people get to see you and get to hear you as we go over this, this teaching today, um, because you can tell a difference, you know, between what is sweet and what is sour. Right. And we want to be, um, it's so funny. I was actually, I just got this picture of like sweet Mm. rosé wine, you know, Mm. this drinks you in like, that's what it's like. You're his sweet rosé. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. It's so beautiful. That's actually, I love um, the whole theme of rosé, even the rose color and that pink and that purity, you know, that's, it's from, it's only from the Lord. And um, I'm just so thankful. Thank you for saying that, Krista. That's a, that's an, whatever you're seeing, is the absolute um, just immersion of what the Lord has done and who he's brought in my path to wow. share about um, share about how pure and wonderful he is. And it can only happen, I think, through life circumstances where you do fall down and you do go to the depths. And then mm-hmm. that beauty of being delivered from disappointment or pain or bitterness, he brings you up out of it he rescues you and lifts you out of that muck and mire. And that is so beautiful. And you carry that as well. I mean, this is just such a, it's an amazing thing because here we are, you know, this, this subject really plagues and weighs on people and this spirit of bitterness and heaviness, but there is an antidote and we have it. 
So there's joy inside of my spirit today because this is a message that's going to break chains. It's going to set people free. And I'm so glad that I get to be here with you. Also carries joy. Yeah. And I love that actually. So I've had dreams like every night this past week and it's all been like leading up to, to this message today. And actually it's something that I'm, I'm going to be able to minister to the first nations people. Um, later on this week, um, I have a tent meeting with my friend Genevieve Skidmore. Um, and, and this is one of the, the big things I'm going to hit on is this, this spirit of bitterness, but you know, he turns our, one of the dreams that I had was, um, I was in a city street and um, there was an army, this army invaded the streets and they were all in camouflage and they were decked out and they were um, ready to fight an enemy. And all of a sudden I pulled my flags out, my banner. So, cause God's banner over me is love. And I started to dance and the entire army broke out in dancing and in singing. And that's how they destroyed the enemy. And God was speaking to me about his joy and how his joy is sacred. Mm-hmm. And that there are so many people in the body of Christ that are struggling with this heaviness and depression and this foul spirit of seriousness. You know, seriousness is not <laughs> yes. guys. It's not. Mm-hmm. And that comes um, through really having bitterness in different areas of your life. And um, not seeing the full redemption of what the blood of Jesus has done for you, not just in getting you to heaven someday, but in getting into you fully today here on earth. And joy is actually a response of a soul um, that is filled with the spirit of God and is responding to our salvation responding from our freedom from all the effects of sin not just our sin but the sin that's been done to us mm-hmm. and i think that that has been um widely not taught in the body of christ like i've i've only ever heard of you know deliverance and forgiveness from sin that i have done you know i'm saved from being a sinner but i i've never heard anyone teach on how Jesus annihilated the works of darkness and the effects of sin that were even done to you. Yeah. And um, when you get that, then the enemy, the past, all the people who wronged you, you know, every uh, sour circumstance of your life, it does not speak into mm-hmm. your present and it does not speak into your future because the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. Amen. So, um, actually I really feel from the Lord that people by the end of this teaching are going to get free from heaviness from all sorts of things, honestly. Um, and I'll get into that later. So yeah, I believe people are going to get set free, um, from all sorts of things at the end of this teaching because bitterness becomes like a cesspool and a breeding ground for the demonic in our souls. And um, until you get set free from bitterness, it, it's going to cause all sorts of chaos, of death, of destruction um, in your life. And so this has been a teaching. It's part of my personal story. 
Um, unfortunately, it's been a, a part of my family history. Um, but I really just feel to decree this today is that one, the Lord is going to highlight to you where you may have areas of bitterness. Mm -hmm. And this is a journey. It's not a destination. And it is something that is a, um, getting free from this is, is oftentimes a process. Um, and it, the enemy will try to throw it back in your face um, in different seasons because he loves to do things like God does. His God's timeline is in cycles and seasons. So the enemy loves to pop up in our lives in cycles and seasons of um, to, of a corrupted harvest, right? Um, and so this is a choice. It's a spiritual discipline. But the grace of God, one, makes it possible. And he also makes it as if the sin or that circumstance, that offense, that betrayal, whatever it was that you went through, he makes it as if it never happened. Yes. And that has been totally my story. Um, I mean, completely redeeming parts of my, my history in ways that are just absolutely uncanny um, redeeming geographical locations, redeeming people's names. Um, I mean, just crazy, crazy ways that God has actually in the very areas that the enemy has tried to destroy my life, God has taken me back to that place, fully restored, fully redeemed, or he fully restored me or redeemed me in that place. And like, did it as a you know, to mock the powers of darkness that tried to destroy me in that place. And so um, I just want to pray for everybody. And, you know, the nature of deception is that you don't know that you're deceived, right? And so right now in Jesus name, I just command spiritual blindness to be removed in Jesus name. Yes. Father, I just pray um, that you pull back the veil and that you would reveal what the enemy is doing lurking inside of our souls, our minds, our wills, our emotions, and the way that he has been coming in deceptively to kill, steal, and destroy by keeping us in bitterness. And so, Father, I thank you that it is um, that your grace is enough. It is sufficient for us. It is yes. your divine favor and your supernatural um, enablement to accomplish, whew, to accomplish in our lives, your perfect will and to produce in our lives, the perfect character of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we thank you. We say, let there be light in Jesus name. Woo. Amen. So powerful. I'm just going to kind of jump right into this. Please do. All right. So, yeah, there's a big angel here. Yay. Welcome, angel. Yes. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for your assistance. Um, whoo. Wow. Thank you, God. <laughs> I'm feeling his presence real strong. They're all around. Yeah. I love it. I just felt a big one, like, come over here, and then I got a high-pitched um, sound in my ear, which usually represents an angelic being 
And then as soon as I said, thank you, I got hit by a wave of euphoria. So guys, pay attention Lord. when you're, when frequencies change in the room in a spiritual atmosphere and welcome your angels. Yes. So how to identify bitterness? Um, I want to get into this because this is a big one. Um, so part of my story, I went through lots and lots of trauma. Um, unfortunately, my, my parents struggled with bitterness. Um, they went through lots of trauma too. And that's really the assignment of the enemy, right? Um, is to, to wound us so that we shut down our hearts, so that we never live out our prophetic destinies, right? And the fullness of walking in Christ's image. And um, even after I got saved, I'm not going to go into my whole story, but, you know, after I got saved, I like fell crazy in love with Jesus and he became the obsession and the focal point of my life. Um, But although I had forgiven everyone that had hurt me, I still held on to bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment towards myself, specifically for choices that I made that um, I just really, really struggled to forgive myself for. Um, and one of the big things was my, my previous abortions. And uh, so I just would lament and, and weep bitter tears and ask God to forgive me over and over again for something he already forgave me for. And, you know, so I'm a couple years into my salvation And I'm realizing that I am still not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus said he died to give me, right? Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundant. You know, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I came to give you life. And I'm like, well, I'm not seeing abundant life in my thoughts. Like I still hate myself. I am critically insecure. I am terrified of rejection. I pass out if somebody hands me a microphone, Like I am constantly obsessing over, you know, fearful situations. I'm afraid something bad's going to happen to my kids or, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, and, and I'm like, so God, I I'm not experiencing freedom and abundance in my thought life. And it got to a point where even saved, I was having thoughts of hurting myself. And when those thoughts slipped, like slipped in, I knew it was from Satan and I knew it was something aberrant because, um, I had actually gotten saved through the de- my, my brother's suicide. Um, I had went into a vision over his body and the Lord showed me the, the demons that coerced him into taking his own life in a weak moment. And, uh, then I saw that those same demons were assigned to my life. And so I knew it was hell, but I had no idea how to get free from it. I had went to different deliverance ministries and had gotten deliverance from like rejection and and things like that, but I'm still not experiencing abundance. And I went to this conference um, and it was a really big deal for me to go there. Um, It was a huge act of faith or leap of faith, I should say. And I remember being there. And on the first night of this conference, I am face down at the altar, desperate. And I say, God, I cannot go home like this. You have to do something. You have to deliver me, change my life, whatever it is. Like I cannot do this anymore. And 
I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit so clearly say, Krista, forgive yourself. And it was so simple, um, but it was like I had never, I was never even able to see that the person that I was holding on to resentment towards was me. I had given grace to everyone else, but not myself. And it had got me stuck in um, performance-based Christianity. It had got me stuck in, you know, cycles of depression, despair, um, you know, just all sorts of hindrances. And the moment I just laid there and I said, you know, I didn't feel it, but I said, okay, God, I forgive myself. And as soon as I said, I forgive myself, I made a choice to, to release myself from the mistakes of my past um, and receive his grace for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like literally like a huge pustule burst. That's the only way I can say it. Um, wow. I know it's gross, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, now I can see that. Yeah, I mean, because it was this this harboring of infectious, toxic um, poison that I was carrying in my soul. Mm-hmm. And the moment I released it, the Holy Spirit came in with this cleansing flood. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, it was that very night uh, I got baptized in the Father's love and in the Holy Spirit and in, and in fire. And that was my commissioning moment with the Lord. That night. That very night. Um, the next session we went into and I heard somebody preach on the, the gospel of sonship. I had only ever heard the sinner saved by grace. And for the first time, it was like my eyes were open to the fact that I was God's daughter I wasn't just a sinner, you know, that he had mercy on. I was his beloved child who he had given up all of heaven for to come and rescue from the devourer, you know, from my strong enemy. And um, as soon as I like received that revelation, um, this little man and woman, I think they were actually youth pastors. In the back, I, I don't remember their names. Um, they were so sweet. They began to pray for me. And the, the little uh, lady, she was so cute. She hugged me and she said, um, the issue of your life has been love. You've never been loved right. But the father is going to love you now. And he's going to hold you. And as when my arms let go of you, his arms will never let you go. And she did. She let go of me. And, but what happened was the presence of God around me came in like, a, I don't even know, like an overwhelming flood of love. And <laughs> I was literally plastered to the floor for four days, um, manifesting wow. gold dust all over me. <laughs> shaking violently, having visions, being taken into the throne room where God started speaking to me about my identity um, and started healing me from all the sexual abuse that I went through. And all of that started 
because I chose forgiveness? It started with just a simple couple of words. I forgive myself. I think that's so key, Krista. It is. For right now, I just really feel like that is so key. Let that just settle on many of us and here. It, Krista, I've heard you say it before. If you're taught that it's hard to get into the Holy Spirit or get close to the Lord, if there's all these things that you have to do and steps that you have to take, well, there are steps, but it's really simple, right? You, you, and that was a simple thing. And so don't let the um, don't let the the hard and big things hold anybody back today from saying those words. And then what happened next was everything changed for you. Literally everything changed. I went from being a highly judgmental, critical, uh, because I was highly judgmental <laughs> of myself and I was extremely critical of myself, um, extremely defensive, um, terrified of uh, rejection or perceived rejection, um, could not have close, intimate relationships, uh, couldn't, have, couldn't even have friendships or have a healthy marriage, um, went through all of that, went from all of that to being totally caught up in the rapture and in the bliss of unity with my father and um, walking into my destiny. And now there was still a process for all of that, um, you know, because deliverance and healing is like a flower that continues to like unfold. Um, but that was the starting point. And, you know, so that's, I want to get into like, you know, so how can we identify bitterness? And, and this is like, not just like bitterness towards mm -hmm. yourself, but bitterness towards others. Um, and so I'm, I want to give you like just some quick ways to identify bitterness in your own life. Cause if you can't see it, um, then you can't get free from it, right? So it's got to be revealed before it can be healed. So one marker of having bitterness in an area of your life is uh, being highly judgmental and being highly critical. Um, so another one is defensive. You know, do you take things personally? And then when you take things personally, do you feel that you have to justify yourself, right? Um, another way that you can identify whether or not you're bitter is uh, you replay the hurt over and over and over again. So it is, it's literally like a record. It's like a cycle, like a, um, actually my, one of my intercessors, I love her, her name is Donnie. She calls it the carousel of hell. Yeah. <laughs> and it is like, you're stuck on this carousel going around and around replaying the hurt over and over and over again and at some point you have to choose when to get off right mm -hmm. um and i also want to say too that there are demons that are assigned to this there there are mind binding spirits that will keep you meditating on the ways that you've been hurt on the way that you've been offended right and so when you find yourself doing that, you have to take authority over your thoughts. So another way is there is to know if you're bitter or not, is there is a constant compulsion to tell others how you were hurt. So it's one thing to process your pain with like, you know, a leader or a counselor or a brother or sister in Christ. 
But it's another thing when you compulsively tell the same story over and over again about how you were hurt. Yeah. So um, that is like, that is not okay, right? If we feel compulsively that we have to, you know, it's like spilling poison, noxious, toxic poison onto all the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, cause here's the thing that goes with that is that it's not, um, just the compulsion to constantly talk about how you were hurt, but you need people to side with you. You need mm-hmm. people, the people that are around you to see your enemy the same way you do. So if you're angry at a person, you want everyone else to agree with you about how horrible they are. And you do that to get a false sense of vindication, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a false sense of justice. That's not yeah. God's justice. It's like you're vindicating yourself. Right. And and that's the thing, you know. Or trying I, to. Trying to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you, uh, the, well, okay. You, you, the vindication thing is you want people to pay for what they did to you, right? And every time I I see that word vindication, um, I see it as a viper, actually. It is a like a, a venomous snake that lashes out to sink its its fangs in you, and it wants what comes out of its mouth to poison you, to harm you. It wants to make you pay. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, when we have that in our hearts, that's actually an agreement with the Python spirit. That mm-hmm. Python spirit comes and, and we're the ones that are being poisoned, right? Because it's got a stranglehold on our heart and yes. on our thoughts. And, um, and it will squeeze yes. the life out of you and around the, the people and the relationships around you. Mm-hmm. Um, another yes. way that you can tell that you're bitter is um, you find it difficult to trust people. So if you struggle to trust people, even those who have consistently showed up and been trustworthy time and time again, then you may have a, an unhealed hurt or unforgiveness mm-hmm. towards somebody in your life. I see this happen um, in marriages yeah. all the time. And, you know, as a huge part of our ministry is like family, you know, the revival in the family unit and um, the restoration of marriages and uh, family household salvation. And um, one of the things with this is that, you know, oftentimes we come into marriage very broken. We have disappointments, pain, sin, stuff that we're carrying from, from childhood, really, you know, into our marriage and we will subconsciously not even realize what we're doing, but we will project even the failures of our parents onto our spouse, right? Like the failure of a father that didn't show up for you. And then your husband triggers you one time and all of a sudden he's your dad. And you're not even like seeing the way that that is connecting. Um, but yet you have bitterness towards your father and now it's just been released on your husband. And yeah. 
it begins to break down the relationship. Um, so sometimes it's not even like in who we think we're mad at. It's in some area of our history that needs to be dealt with, you know? Um, and so I, or even like with God, you know, um, I've had people, you know, seeing the, have a hard time encountering the love of father God, even though we see that Jesus was the perfect representation of the father in scripture, um, they will love Jesus and have a close connection to, to Jesus. Um, and they'll have a close connection and understanding with Holy Spirit because they might've had a great relationship with their mom or they, and with Jesus, they had a great relationship with a brother or with a sister or a peer, but they had an absent father. And so they cannot see father God because of the bitterness that they have in their heart towards their father. Yeah. Right. Right. And so when you recognize that you can start step, stepping into freedom, you can acknowledge like, oh, okay, yeah, I do have some, some hidden resentment or unforgiveness towards my dad. Um, and father, I'm sorry, I've projected that onto you, but I want to know you, you know, will you help me get free from this? And so, um, another manifestation of, um, bitterness is the offender can do nothing right. They cannot ever be redeemed. Uh, they will always be the villain for the rest of their life. And, um, mm. it's no matter what they do, no matter how many times they ask for forgiveness or show kindness or make up for it. Um, I see this a lot in marriages also where, um, you know, the like, ah, can I just be real with you? I see this more often with women than I do with men. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. And I, I think it's because women naturally are emotional creatures and, you know, the enemy tries to, um, tries to thrive in chaos and our emotions uh, to separate us from our husbands. But I see this all the time where, you know, a husband who, you know, is diligently working to try to save his marriage or love his, his wife well um, after, you know, some sin or whatever it is, um, even if there is no sin, even if it's just been a perception of sin, because that's another thing I'll talk about. But um, the wife just becomes like a stone wall and it's like the husband can do no right now. And mm -hmm. you see this all over TikTok, all over Instagram, this husband shaming. Yes. Bullcrap. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> Such like an that. assignment. Such oh a gosh. specific like, direct assignment. Yeah. Wow. From hell. Like, it <gasps> grieves the Holy Spirit, ladies, when you dishonor your husband. Okay. Mm -hmm. You are supposed to be a prophetic picture of Christ or of the bride and her devotion and tenderness to her bridegroom, King Jesus. And when you degrade your husband, when you mock your husband, when you put him down, you are mocking the image of Christ in that man. 
and he, your condemnation and your heaping shame on him and you're making fun of him is not going to turn him into the man that you want him to be. You know, Proverbs says, and I don't know who I'm saying this for, but this is where God's going. This is a correction for some of you ladies right now. You want to be married to a man that loves the Lord and serves the Lord, yet your words are critical, they're judgmental, and they're cutting. And it's because you have bitterness in your heart towards men and you need to let it go and you need to rise up as the prophetess of your household. And like the book of Proverbs says, a wise woman builds her house with her words or she tear a foolish woman tears it down with her words. So we're to be, all of our words are to be building up, right? Yes. Um, rather than tearing down. And this actually, I was guilty of that. The Lord actually gave me that exact proverb because he was exposing the bitterness and unforgiveness I had in my heart towards my husband. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad we're free from all of that. But, yeah. you know, also another thing is where, who, if you want to know where your bitterness is, then watch what you talk about. What is coming out of your mouth? Who are you talking about? When you're disappointed or when you're angry or what, where does your frustration go? Mm. Right. Um, who are so the people, powerful, right? Like stop and take a second and think, when was the last time you said something encouraging to your spouse? Or was everything that you had to say, was it something critical? Well, if, you know, if everything that you had to say to your spouse was critical, then it's probably because you have some bitterness somewhere. Right? So we need to examine that. Um, so uh, the other thing, you wish calamity on your offender. So you actually, this is another sign of bitterness. You hope something bad happens to them to give you justice, <laughs> but mm. it's, but it's not justice. It is just revenge. Mm -hmm. A lot of what the church thinks is justice is actually just revenge, you know, and that's super sad. And I'm just going to say, mm -hmm. um, one of the times that I have experienced the epitome of justice in my personal life, being a, a survivor, because I'm not a victim, I'm a survivor yeah. and I'm an overcomer of, you know, sexual abuse, being molested as a child, being uh, raped as an adult um, and exploited, you know, as a, as a young adult. The epitome of God's justice in my life was when a a sex offender, a, a person who had been a child molester, came forward and publicly repented and confessed his sin for molesting his, his daughter on drugs. And the power of God came down and struck that man like lightning, laid him out in the spirit for two hours, violently delivering him. <laughs> And uh, filling him with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then in the same meeting, watching 25 women 
who were all inappropriately touched by their fathers coming oh. forward to confess survivor's guilt. That is a real thing. Came forward to confess survivor's mm -hmm. guilt. And this man got up on his hands and knees and crawled over to them and began to weep on their feet and pray and prophesy over them and repent in the place of their father who inappropriately touched them. Oh my goodness. That is the justice of God, <laughs> right? That is the justice of God. It's wow. that he takes the broken, the destitute, the captives, and he kills that old man and makes them something brand new. God's justice is to kill the child molester and to have the child molester be reborn into the mm. image of Christ as a new creation that then is a defender of children. You get what I'm saying? Yes, yes. And it's so, I think we have to realize that, you know, everything you're talking about, the marriages, some of the bitterness, whether it's from the wife, or the husband, or how you people that aren't even married view men or men viewing women or, or we're not the enemy of each other. Right. The enemy came in because he was terrified of God's creation of us. And immediately all that he could do was try to lie, steal and destroy this man, this yes. perfect image of God, that we are the only image of God in the earth. And he came immediately to do just what an offender or a trafficker would do to exploit, to use uh, force, fraud, and coercion. Yeah. And for many, it's not their fault. It's not our faults when we've been coerced and we've had broken hearts and gotten led into things for so many, even generational things have caused people to fall into certain lifestyles and patterns that are not good. But we have to realize that the source of that was the enemy. We are to be on the same team and, and God is gonna be doing something so radical with people that we would not even imagine in this time. Oh yeah. And you've seen it, Krista, and I've seen it. And only God could do that. Oh, so absolutely. this is hitting so many levels right now because it's the, it's the enemy that is our enemy, not each other. And God is going to bring such healing. And real quickly, I know we've got a lot, but one time I had this experience of the Lord and I saw his hand going straight like a beam into me. But I saw him doing it into so many people and it was going through time. It was going through the past and even the future. He was healing and restoring it all supernaturally, going back to take just, but the, the hand of God was just like a beam of light. And in a moment, like you said, it erased the past. Yes, that's so good. And that's, that's what can happen. So this is a, these are keys. And if anyone is um, feeling just charged or really convicted or even just uh, heavy with this, it's absolutely meant to fall off of you. And um, these are keys that are so simple for us to take and just go forward with right now. Absolutely. I love yeah. that you said that, you know, and that's the thing. It's either the blood of Jesus is enough or it's nothing at all. Yes. And, and that's the thing. And I, man, I just feel the power of God on this. Like either his grace is sufficient or it's nothing, right? Yes. It's the blood of Jesus is not anemic. It is dynamic. 
to reverse the curse and all the effects of the curse on our lives. He crushed the head of the serpent, guys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was the thing for me is that when I read John 10, 10, that the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have life abundantly. I made a decision that I was going to do whatever it took to experience the abundant life that Christ died to give me. That was my inheritance. It's your inheritance. If a family member died and left you an inheritance, would you not show up to court to make sure that that was allotted to you? That is what we need to do. And that is when we're stepping into um, greater levels of freedom and we're uh, greater levels of um, image bearing with Christ, because it's really all about Jesus, man. It's all about looking like Jesus, following Jesus, loving Jesus, glorifying Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us, right? He's the worthy one. But it's as we're stepping into these places, a lot of what we're talking about with the deliverance and inner healing, it's about going before the judge, right? Going before God, the great judge, and demanding with our actions and with our words and with our hearts that we get everything back that the enemy stole from us. That is God's vindication. And then not just getting back what was stole from us. So what was stole? Your peace, your joy, you know, like your innocence. Oh, okay. So let's go to court. We've, we already know that God's rendered a, a verdict on, on our behalf by the blood, because it is our intercessor, our mediator, and, you know, it, it's our vindication, right? And so the, the judgment's all, already been rendered, but we have to come out of agreement with the enemy in order to be able to get everything back that he stole from us. And then also for me, guys, I take plunder. I'm all about the spoils of war. I don't just want what was taken from me. I want what was taken from <laughs> my mom. I want what was yes. taken from my dad. I, yes. I'm going back generations yes. all the back to Adam and saying, God, would you release those blessings on my life? Would you release those blessings on my children and my grandchildren and my great grandchildren? Like, yes. there, But there has to be a line drawn in the sand that like, no, I'm not carrying this on anymore. I'm taking back and I'm taking spoils, you know? And so that yes. that's my whole thing. So if you're don't be mad at your husband or your wife. Be mad at the enemy, the one who stole from you, the one who deceived that person into sinning against you. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, so yeah. Him and ask for God's vengeance in that way. Um, and then the incredible thing is we were made for this battle. This is the battle of all time because Jesus, Jesus took it all back, what was stolen at the cross. And then there was that darkness. And some of us are in that even right now before, you know, before we can see the light. But in this time, everything is being restored and redeemed just like it was then. But this time on earth, those of you here, we were born for this time as warriors to do just what Krista, you're just saying, reclaim everything that was stolen illegally. It was illegally stolen and exploited by our adversary. And he's lost and he knows he's lost, but we're here now to take it back together with the Lord. 
It's now God plus man in this hour, and we are alive for it. And nothing's going to hold you back. Realize if you feel like you're in a pit, you know, sometimes God pursues us relentlessly when we do not deserve it. And I think some of us, some of us may experience that just even right now in our lives. Why is God blessing me? I'm, I'm not doing the right thing or I'm in this place that we're talking about. But he, at some point, he's relentless. He pursues us because of his love. And God is restoring all and we were made for it right now. And uh, yes, we're reclaiming it all, just like you said, Krista. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Lord, we just ask for a tenacity to come over people right now that they will have a desire to pursue the abundant life that you died to give them, that they won't settle for less and they won't settle in the place of bitterness and in the valley of weeping, but that they will come out of that place and that they'll carry with them the spoils of the generations before them in Jesus name. So I just want to talk about like, okay, so we talked about what some of the, um, consequences of bitterness are, but I just want to run through these real quick. Um, so one bitterness is a root and it produces deadly consequences across all areas of your life. Um, so number one, it destroys relationships. Um, Hebrews 12, 15 through 17, it says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. What's God's grace? It's God's forgiveness, his unmerited mercy and favor towards those of us who deserve death. Okay. Because of our own sin, because the wages of sin is death. Doesn't separate that sin into different categories. The cross levels, the playing field guys, sin is sin and the wages are death. Mm -hmm. So whether Although horizontally, it looks the same vertical, or I should say vertically, it looks the same horizontally. We like to put sins on pedestals, right? Um, but watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. And why does it poison the hearts of many? Because it gains followers. It wants people to agree with it. Um, So bitterness produces death. It produces disease and defilement to everything around you. It pollutes your atmosphere. It destroys your relationships and it robs you of your God-given purpose and destiny. Worst of all, it denies you the great inheritance of that abundant life in Christ. So you have to guard your heart from offense. If um, bitterness is a root, then offense is the seed. Offense is the seed. And I'm going to throw this out here to you guys, that oftentimes um, a bitter person or an offended person will become, well, okay, everything they see is through the lens of their bitterness. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes it's not even because the other person really did do something against you, but it's because you are viewing everything through the, your polluted soul. And so everything outside is distorted. 
mm-hmm. right? So um, there's this story that um, the Lord gave me as an analogy. And it's a, uh, a woman and her husband wake up every morning and they sit down at their little dinette uh, near um, their bay window to eat breakfast. And every morning the woman would look up through the window at her neighbor's um, laundry hanging on the clothesline. And she would say, oh, our neighbor is not a very good launder. Do you see how dirty and dingy all of her clothes look as they're hanging up out there? What's wrong with that woman? And her husband would say, yeah, okay, sweetie. And he'd eat his breakfast and he'd go to work. And every day he would, she would have this conversation with her husband until one day she says, maybe I just need to go over there and I just need to tell her how to do her laundry. And her husband looks at her and says, actually, maybe you need to clean your windows. And he gets the Windex and starts wiping down the window pane. And as all the dirt and change comes off the window, you can look through and see that her neighbor's laundry is crystal clear. It's white and perfectly laundered, right? So that is what bitterness is like. And so we will perceive, we will have a perception of being betrayed or offended or whatever, even though it, it hasn't, what, whatever that person is doing, either they really didn't mean to offend you, they had nothing ill in their heart towards you, or they didn't even realize that their behavior had offended you. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, and you'll see your whole life through this dirty lens. Mm-hmm. So bitterness and anger go together. Oh, one more thing. I just want to share about offense. If you're offended, then you're not dead to yourself. Like either either you have died to yourself and to your ego and you are completely surrendered and submitted, all of you, to Christ. Or there is still a part of you that you're holding on to. That's how you know when you're offended. It's like, wow, oh, why did that just offend me? Oh, it's because I'm clinging to my life in that area. Jesus, I'm going to pick up my cross and follow you again. Because you can't offend a dead man. (laughs) No, you can't. You can't. So just leave him in the grave. That's the thing. Oh, oh, I see. You tried to come up and say hi. You're dead. Just just go back there, you know. Yes. Uh, Until you get to a point where you realize the tomb is empty. Yes. It's empty. There's there's no bodies in there. No dead men talking. <laughs> no dead men talking anymore. So Yeah, that's key. I that love is really key. That. Yes, absolutely. And uh your your marriage is a great way to practice where you're where you're not dead to yourself yet, I'm just gonna say. So um good. Ephesians four thirty one. Bitterness and anger go together. They're bedfellows. Um, Ephesians says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So if you have bitterness in your heart, one of the things you'll do, you'll be cutting, you'll make jokes, but really they're harsh words flowing from that pollution in your heart. Um, and it's really meant to cut people down and insult them. 
This is what Jesus meant when he told the Pharisees, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him. Um, I also notice that when people are making fun of others, that um, it's another sign of bitterness in some area because you will only insult others in order to elevate yourself. And that is a manifestation of pride. Pride is the original sin. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it was Lucifer wanted to not just be like God, but he wanted to have an existence. It wasn't, it wasn't that he wanted necessarily to be worshiped, but he wanted a life free from God. Mm. He wanted to be God himself. Yeah. Right. And so that that's a manifestation of pride anywhere that you have to elevate yourself over somebody else. Um, mm -hmm. So Satan is the accuser. Like the name Satan means accuser. And he, he wants people to be identified by their past. He wants people to be identified by their sin. He wants people to be identified by their failure, right? Um, and he doesn't ever want anything good to happen to you or anyone else. He wants you to pay full price for your sin because he's jealous of you and your relationship with God. He's jealous of the way that God made you to be an image bearer of Christ. And so when you need to ask yourself, um, watching what you speak and who you're speaking to and what you speak about, what is flowing from the abundance of your heart out of your mouth, do, do you want people to pay for how they wronged you? Do you want vengeance? Can, you know, do you want people to know how bad that person treated you? Are you like, do you need to um, validate yourself and vindicate yourself by running a smear campaign on behalf of this person? Mm -hmm. um, then you are in agreement with Lucifer. Jesus, look, if Jesus gave us justice for all of our sins, then we would all be in hell. Yeah. Instead, he gave us grace. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us mercy. Mercy triumphs over justice. Mm -hmm. See, because mercy is the perfect justice of God. And now am I saying that a repeat offender doesn't deserve to be put in prison? Am I saying that there aren't real situations where, you know, people have been brutally victimized, sexually abused, all of that. I'm not diminishing that. I'm not diminishing the sin that has happened to you. Um, and in some cases where a person is unrepentant, it is God's mercy to have that person locked up, right? So that they can't do it again. Right. But we as believers have to make a choice to come out of agreement with the accuser and instead release that person from owing us anything because Christ has already done so much for us. Right? Yes. Yes. And there are multiple opportunities daily for us all, just even where we're at in our nation, in the world and um, anywhere like division or divisiveness, or like you said, a smear campaign, um, joking and making fun of a different person or a party of people or a 
um, ministry or whoever. Right. We're having opportunities every single day to just let offense roll off us. And we really desperately need that, um, the love of the Lord and his compassion for where we're going, even as a nation and as a people. Right. So that is an encouragement to me. It, and it feels so good when there's somebody that's um, like Krista, the example that you shared of the man that fell and all of the, the women that had just that per- perfect picture of how God can redeem and restore and do something through um, what we wouldn't even guess he would work through. Right. But he's so able. And I just think that that's, you know, I'm just hanging on this because I have experienced some sort of just really hard things that even have come against me. Um, words in this time. Um, I'm in an industry in my career where there's a lot of gossip and it's just a daily thing to just uh, guard my mind and my spirit. Um, but I will tell you that recently I have seen the Lord turn this around. Even things that were hard for me and people that hurt me, mm-hmm. I have felt him come with a compassion that only could come from him. And so anybody, I, it's available to us all, really. Absolutely. And it feels so good. I mean, it's so beautiful how God turned a, a specific situation around in my life just really recently. And not only was I touched and filled with compassion, this other person was as well. Mm. And it's just beautiful to see that kind of thing unfold. That's all because of him. Yeah, because of him. And it's, it's because you made a choice to put him above your flesh, above your need to be right. You know, and that issue with, with that particular man, that was, that came out of the flow of mercy from my heart. You see what I'm saying? Is yes. that, and I didn't realize that when it was happening, but I had made a choice to forgive sex offenders. And I, I actually went into a season where I was like, God, you know, your justice is, you know, yeah, we can try to, you know, do this and do that. But the real issue is a heart issue. And I said, so God, I want sex offenders to get saved through my ministry. I want, I want there to be such a radical revelation of purity and sexual purity and the revelation of how that looks like you and how it's all prophetic and it speaks to intimacy with your spirit and it speaks to the the rebirth of of uh, new creation species and and how love mul- is meant to multiply itself and love keeps on loving through the generations god i want that to happen through my ministry and god i want you to deliver me i said i give you permission to judge any altar of pride in me that would prevent me from being able to love on a sex offender in the same way that I would love on a person who has been victimized. Because the answer is killing the old man to make a new creation man. That's the only way that you, you can't, you can't modify a sinner's behavior. They're going to sin. You have to kill it. Mm-hmm. That's it. It has to be nailed to a cross, right? That's it. Yes. I mean, that's the only way. And so, um, and, and 
but my desire to see God's justice in that way, that he would take the offender, that he would take the predator and he would turn them into a protector was the flow of mercy from my heart to my offenders that began to affect the atmosphere around me. And then it opened up freedom for more women and for the offenders. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Right? And a huge reconciliation happened. It's so powerful. And that's just one area of my life. Like that's just one area of my life where God has done that. But bitterness, it stops up our spiritual life. You know, um, it's like, like Jesus told the woman at the well that whoever believes in him would have rivers of living water flowing from within them. God's grace is like this river. It flows from God into us and then it should be released to the world around us. But bitterness becomes a dam that hinders the flow of the Holy Spirit and his power moving through our lives. So when the water doesn't move, it becomes stagnant. And people with unresolved bitterness will eventually stop hearing God's voice and they will become stagnant in their faith. Um, In some cases, that stagnancy becomes poisonous and becomes a breeding ground for demonic spirits. And so... um, that's another teaching for another day, but bitterness gives the enemy legal right to torment you. And this is exactly what, what I was going through. Like what I was talking about at the beginning of the broadcast being tormented by the enemy. And it wasn't until after that, that the Lord led me to this passage in scripture. And it's in Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35. And um, it says later, Peter approached Jesus and said, how many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times. So seven, you have to understand in the Hebrew, it's complete completeness. It means completely forgive him or just, you know, seven times. So you can read this two ways. Jesus answered, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times, seven times. So completely forgive him over and over and over and over and over again. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There was once a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him $1 billion. So he summoned the servant before him and said to him, pay me what you owe me. When his servant was able to repay his debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment towards his debt. The servant threw himself face down at the master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I will repay all that I owe you. Upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave him his entire debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, You'd better pay me right now everything you owe me. 
His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, please be patient with me. If you'll just give me time, I'll repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you just show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards or in another translation to the tormentors to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. In this same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart towards your fellow men. So that's the words of Jesus. Yes. So when you do not release forgiveness entirely to your fellow man, as in completely forgive, making a choice from the depths of your heart. And instead you make a decision that they owe you something, that you are gonna be your own judge, that you are gonna seek retribution and revenge, okay? You need vengeance. Then guess what? You get to be your own attorney. Jesus no longer is your attorney. Jesus no longer, I will never forget it. I had the Lord in a, in a season where I was being slandered. I was being falsely accused. Um, you know, there was literally a massive smear campaign against me and my entire oh, ministry. Um, letters were wrote to certain people to try to shut down my influence. Um, all sorts of stuff. The Lord spoke to me and he said, Krista, he's like, either you can defend yourself or I can be your defender. You can be your own judge, or you can let me judge. You can seek vengeance on your own, or you can allow me to seek vengeance on my enemies. And when he said my enemies, I knew he was saying the spirits that were manipulating mm -hmm. the smear, or were initiating that smear campaign against yeah. me. Yeah. Not the person. Right. And I said, oh, Lord, I choose mercy. I choose you to be my defender. I do. I do not want that role. Jesus, you do it. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a promise. He actually said, and, the, and all of this flushed out last year. He said, then Krista, 2022 will be the year that I vindicate you. And he totally did that. Not only, not only did he expose the sin in these people's lives to, to leaders and people in positions of influence that I was connected to, he did it without me having to say anything. I never had to talk bad about the person. Um, nothing. He, he exposed what was really happening behind the scenes and I had, I literally, last year, Andrea, I had mm -hmm. people at meetings that I was speaking at that I didn't even know 
come up to me and bitterly tear, like bitterly crying as they're sitting in my meeting and they're overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit, say, I have to repent to you because this person spoke about you and I didn't know you and I didn't ask God. And I came into agreement with this, with the spirit of bitterness that they were carrying. I came into agreement with the spirit of witchcraft that they were operating in. And I believed everything that they said about you. And I'm sitting here in your meeting and the Holy spirit is telling me the truth about who you are. And I have to repent. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Will you forgive me? I had multiple people. Oh my goodness. And I never been. Um, and not only that, but God just continued to increase my influence as I as I just released forgiveness to those people, released mercy to those people. And um, you know, I mean, just crazy stuff. And one of those people happens to be directly connected to somebody that I am very involved in ministry with. And for two years, I never had a conversation. I knew at any point that I was hanging out with this one woman that I do ministry with um, in, a, in a really big way that anytime I could have called her and I could have told her the truth. I could have told her all the stuff that was. Yeah. Yeah. I never said one thing, not one thing. And the Lord <laughs> worked all that stuff out. He did it. And, um, it it wasn't even until last month that we finally had a conversation about the truth. Wow. And, um, and it was not when I was sharing the truth, this is the difference sharing information versus gossip. Sharing information is stating facts about what happened without trying to convince the other person that the person that you're speaking about is a terrible person. Oh my goodness. It's just sharing information, right? Yeah. And actually a lot of times, even when I share information, I will prophesy identity and destiny over the person who's not operating in their God-given identity. You know, so I know this isn't that person, but they did do this or they did say this or the enemy had them deceived in this way, or this was taken and the enemy twisted it. That's sharing information. That's not running a smear campaign. That's not gossip. That's not slander. Right. Right. Um, So we need to release people. Um, So bitterness, this is another thing, guys. Bitterness causes natural and spiritual miscarriage, infertility, and the inability to reproduce. You know, God at the beginning of creation, he said, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth, right? We are, as the church, we are to give birth, the bride of Christ, we are to give birth to new believers. That's our job. And God will, you know, through intimacy with the Holy Spirit, we become impregnated with destiny. We become, and our spirits become impregnated with um, the promises of God, right? With ministry. Um, And when I've seen it time and time again, bitterness causes spiritual miscarriage. It causes spiritual abortion. 
you will get right to the point of birthing that prophetic promise, birthing that ministry, birthing that business, birthing that breakthrough. And then something will happen that offends you, that makes you angry, um, that causes you to shut down, introvert, shut out the world, get angry at God. Someone has to, uh, you know, someone ends up backing out of agreement. Your pastor said you can't share your prophetic word with the congregation after worship is over, right? Your bank denies you your loan. Um, Your husband says something that hurts your feelings. And the next thing you know, you're back to square one. It's like a minor setback will discourage you or cause so much chaos in your life that the next thing you know, you're aborting the mission saying, this is too hard. Mm. I knew this wouldn't happen. I can't ever get ahead. Nothing will ever change. God doesn't hear my prayers. And you will abort your, your destiny. And, you know, you can in, even uh, not being able to walk in, in Christ's identity you know, you, you may try to live like Jesus and be like Jesus, but you can never produce the fruit of the spirit in your inner man because bitterness has made your heart hard and unable to take in the seed of God's word. Mm-hmm. So eventually you just become a lukewarm Christian. You become a bitter Christian. This is the difference between, you know, you'll see people who have been running with the Lord for like they've been saved for a year and they're absolutely on fire and they're pursuing the Lord and everything is good. There's this radical advancement on their life, right? It's because they've, they've, um, they understand the revelation of God's grace and forgiveness. Yeah. And so they're producing massive fruit of the spirit and in through their lives. And then you get these people that have been saved for 20 years and they never smile. They never laugh. Life is so hard. All they do is complain. And they're just like the Israelites walking around the same freaking mountain for 40 years, Mm -hmm. never going anywhere because of bitterness. And um, Mm -hmm. it's God gave me this passage in 2 Kings 6, and it was where Elisha is asked to pray for the water at Jericho because it was bitter and causing miscarriage and fertility and kept the land from producing crops. And Elisha went and he threw salt into the water and he blessed it. And that salt is a covenant. It was a salt covenant and it's purifying. It's an antiseptic, right? That purified the water. And it's a representation of the purity of Christ and his mercy coming into our bitter places, coming and it was in, at Jericho where the first battle of the promised land took place, right? The first battle of the promised land took place at Jericho and that Joshua actually cursed Jericho, cursed the water there. And that's why it became bitter. And even if you research the history of this passage, Joshua had said, let, um, and, and this is why I think Joshua did this. Um, because he wasn't asked by the Lord to curse the land. I believe that Joshua was bitter at the Israelites for coming into agreement with fear. 
and not entering into the promised land. He was looking at Jericho like, Jericho, you should have went down 40 years ago. Right. He was bitter. Yeah. From his past. And it caused him to curse the land and curse the water. And he even said, let Jericho be rebuilt at the expense of the man's firstborn and lastborn sons. And so the man that rebuilt Jericho, he did. He lost his firstborn and his lastborn son. So bitterness will kill your children, guys. Yeah. I mean, I, how do I say this so gently? I believe that suicide, the suicide rate that we're seeing exponentially in our young people is a direct result of generational bitterness. Wow. Um, based on, on this passage and revelation that God has given me and my personal history because it is the way that the enemy comes to try to kill and steal and destroy. And your Mm -hmm. children, our children are our first ministry and our prophetic promise. So the enemy always tries to kill something or stop it from being born. mm -hmm. Just like was with Jesus and all through the Bible. And, um, but, and in us, yeah, in us. So I got just a few more points on here. I know we've been going for a while, so I want to kind of, this is so good. It's so timely. So, and people are getting free and I, I feel the fire of God too on this. So bitterness destroys your relationships. Proverbs 17 nine says love overlooks the mistakes of others, but dwelling on the failures of others devastates friendships. Um, in first uh, Corinthians 13, it says love keeps no record of wrongs. So keeping track of the way people have hurt you will destroy your relationships. Um, I used to do this with my husband all the time. And um it was crazy. We just recently went on a camping trip. It was like one of the best family trips that we went on, not necessarily because of what we did, but um, because of the relational aspect of it. We had got out to this campground. There was a familiar spirit of bitterness on the land because we get there. And sometimes when you're tired and you're hungry and you're just not feeling good, like the atmosphere around you will try to minister to you and you take it on as your own. Right. And so I watch this because I travel a lot for ministry. Um, you pick up on what is atmospheric. And so I'm picking up on atmospheric bitterness. And all of a sudden I'm remembering all the things that David did um, that hurt me in my past. And I'm frustrated with something because it broke on the camper. And um, David says something. And then I'm like, oh, like that time that you X, Y, and Z. And my daughter, who is precious, she looks at me and she's like, whoa, mom, I thought love keeps no record of wrongs. And my husband like looked down with this shame face on and he is like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that I did that. I'm so sorry. Like that just makes me feel sick to my stomach. 
And instantly, like this spirit of conviction washed over me. And I felt pride want to rise up in me like, nope, I'm not going to let my kid rebuke me. Instead, I went low and I said, Samara, you are right. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And I said, David, I have forgiven you for that. I hold no record of wrongs against you. I had actually forgotten about that myself. And um, right now I take authority over the atmospheric spirit, the principality of bitterness and resentment that is on this land that just reminded me of sins that I had released you from, that God has released you from, and that the Lord remembers no more. Yeah. And I said, I renounce that thing. I take back all authority. I submitted to it. I said, David, you owe me nothing. I release you. I bless you in Jesus name. And then I started praying over the atmosphere. I started loosing angels and I started loosing the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the atmosphere of heaven. And it was like instantly the whole, I mean, even just saying that right now, like some of you guys just felt something in the atmosphere around you change. That's because this is the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. That This is what the cleansing flow of grace feels like when it's released into the atmosphere, right? And our trip was awesome. But, you know, if, um, if the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, if we are constantly reminding people of the way that they fail, <laughs> yeah. then it is going to be constantly on their mind that they're failures and then they're never going to be enough. And then, and then mm-hmm. that is what they're going to live out. My husband, I realized in that moment, my husband was able to be an awesome husband because I had released him from that record. And you know what was crazy on this campground? There was a carousel. Yeah. I got off the carousel of hell. Yeah. And said, oh, no, we're not doing this today, Satan. Released my husband so that he could be free to love me and to be a good husband and to not live in response to sin and shame, right? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. So, here's another thing. Bitterness hinders your prayers. In Mark eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, and whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him and forgive him so that your father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of all your faults. But if you will not release forgiveness, don't expect your father in heaven to release you from your misdeeds. So here's another thing, guys. Stop waiting for the perfect apology. It's not going to release you from the prison of bitterness. Their apology, whatever that person has done, there is nothing that that person can do that is going to release you from what you're experiencing if you're stuck in on this carousel of hell in the spirit of bitterness. Only the blood of Jesus, only the grace of God and a revelation of God's mercy for you and mercy for that person that he has also died for is going to release you. So bitterness, getting rid of it. Let's talk about that, okay? It's really simple, but it's not always easy. 
To forgive is to release the person from the punishment you wish on them. It is to release your need for vindication, revenge, or the need for an apology in exchange for God to be your vindicator, defense, and righteous judge. It's literally saying, Jesus, I'm following you. Your example to me on the cross was while sinners hung you there. You're, you, you hung there in our place as us, mm-hmm. naked and ashamed. He didn't have a loincloth on, guys. He was naked, mm-hmm. exposed. His flesh hung as ribbons. He was mocked, guys, made fun of, robbed. He was betrayed by one of his friends, the same dude that just mm-hmm. a few nights before he had washed the man's feet in an act of humble servanthood. That guy that he had ran with, that he had trusted with his finances, Judas, that guy betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver for money. No matter what we have been through, guys, Jesus suffered it. He was exposed. Jesus was sexually exploited on the cross. See, we don't think about this because we only see him in a, we see him in a loincloth. We see a, a, a pristine picture of the crucifixion. But if we really saw what Jesus went through for us, guys, naked, humiliated, he conquered the cross and it's shame and humiliation for you because of the joy that was set before him. You know what that joy is? It was knowing that you were going to be his. It was knowing that as he conquered that cross, as he conquered that shame and humiliation, as he conquered the betrayal of the cross, as he conquered the fact that his best friends ran and left him and the only ones that were there for him were the, were the women the ones that weren't even counted worthy to be witnesses in a court of law. Jesus did it knowing that if he took that bitter wine, that he could make every bitter place in your life sweet, my friend. Mm -hmm. That is why, listen, everything that happened to Jesus on the cross was a prophetic picture Jesus took the sour wine. It was literally vinegar. He took the sour wine. And as soon as he took the sour wine, he said, it is finished, my bride. Then he bowed his head and he surrendered his spirit to God. Jesus took in our bitterness of spirit, our bitterness of soul, our bitterness of sin. And with the blood of the new covenant became the antidote for every souring place in our life. So forgiveness, although it's simple, it's not easy. And why is it not easy? It's because we have to choose that no matter what has been done to us, what Jesus did for us supersedes what we've been through. No matter 
what they did, you need to forgive them or you need to just deal with the consequences of being in bondage to bitterness. You are not excused from the command that Jesus gave you to forgive them. You're not excused from that command. It's a command. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. The greatest command that Jesus left us with was to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we release forgiveness to people because in order to love them in the way that we have been commanded, it requires us to release forgiveness and mercy to them in the same way we would desire grace and mercy and forgiveness from God. So why would you want to be held prisoner while your offender walks around free? You know, because oftentimes they don't even know. They don't even know. Um, you're drinking your own poison, right? And that going back to forgiving them 70 times seven, like what Jesus said, it's that you make a choice that every time the memory of what they did Every time the enemy tries to get you caught up on that carousel of hell, meditating on the way that you were hurt, meditating on your pain, meditating on your humiliation, that you stop that sucker right there in its tracks and you say, nope, I'm getting off this bad boy. I choose to forgive. I might not feel it in my head. I might not feel it in my heart right now, but I choose to forgive them because Christ has forgiven me. I choose, I make a choice to forgive. And every time that memory comes up, you don't meditate on it. You meditate on what Jesus did to, did for you, did in your place, that he paid a debt you could not pay to forgive you of your sins. So here's the thing. Bitterness seeks revenge while forgiveness seeks reconciliation. Bitterness lives in the past Forgiveness frees you to live for the future. And this is actually, this quote is from David Hernandez. I just want to give him credit for this. Bitterness says, because they owe me. Forgiveness says, because I owe God. Bitterness or pushes guilt and shame. Forgiveness lifts heavy burdens. Bitterness seeks to prove a point. Forgiveness lets it go to go with the flow of the spirit. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. Bitterness accuses while forgiveness covers. Love, love covers a multitude of sins. So pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Literally, Jesus suffered to forgive you. So sometimes we need to suffer in our pursuit to release people from their debt. Because it's hard. It's hard when we have really been victimized. It's hard when we've really been done wrong, right? to release those people. But for me, guys, what I do is literally, I just repent, God, I repent. I change the way I think. 
I'm changing the way I think. God, I, I recognize you died for me. You suffered on the cross for my sin. And God, I was a sinner. Any man that says that he has no sin is a liar. Right? And, and God, I am still in a process. I have not arrived. I am desperately in need of you. And so, Father, because of your extravagant grace and your extravagant mercy towards me, you did not give me what I deserved. You gave me undeserved favor and mercy and love and grace. You adopted your murderer. You adopted your murderer. Right? Mm -hmm. I choose to forgive. I choose to release. I, I renounce my agreement with the spirit of bitterness. I take back all authority, the spirit of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. I take back all authority that I submitted to those spirits. I bless and release the people who have wronged me. I say, God, they owe me nothing. Man owes me nothing, but I owe man Christ right and then repeat as needed that's it that's how you do it that's how i do it you repeat as often as you need until you will see your soul line up so forgiveness is an act of faith it's not an act of your feelings it is a discipline where you deliberately choose to release others in forgiveness as an act of your will submitting to the will of God. As you continue to submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. And eventually your emotions are going to come into alignment with that. And then here, here is the last thing. Um, my good friend Genevieve Skidmore that I'm going to be ministering with on the Navajo Reservation she, she says it this way, or I should say, the next way to, to walk in this is to live in a predetermined posture of grace. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness isn't what I do after I'm offended or after I'm wronged. It's the posture of a heart that is anchored in the grace of God. It is to forgive or before give before I'm offended, I'm going to give grace. Okay. Yeah. It is a deliberate mindset that says, before you hurt me, I've made up my mind to give you grace in the same way God has given me grace. And, and Genevieve says it, I've already made up my mind to forgive you. Before you hurt me, I've made up my mind to forgive you. It's not worth it. It's not worth me producing death in all my relationships. It's not worth me being held in bondage by the tormentors. Mm -hmm. It's not worth me surrendering my prophetic destiny, my calling, right? My, my freedom, my joy. It's not worth me surrendering all of that to the enemy to stay bitter. Jesus paid it all that's enough for me and so friend today i want to ask is it enough for you is jesus really enough for you did what he do for you on the cross was it enough because here's the thing once you hear something like this you have a choice god doesn't 
he doesn't produce <clears throat> slaves. All right. He, he produces love servants. Right. People that are held captive by his love. That's what he produces. But they always have a choice because we live in the year of Jubilee. All our debts have been erased. We can walk away. We don't have to follow in the way. Right. We don't have to. But if you walk away from this teaching today and you remain bitter, it's because you want you want to stay bitter. And that's it. It's because eh, I don't I don't even want to listen to this. You feel justified in the way that you are and you want somebody to pay you. But I'm here to tell you, friends, that if you're seeking your 30 pieces of silver, Do you know what happened to Judas? It's tragic. Don't betray Jesus and don't betray yourself. Don't betray the generations that are coming after you. Receive what Christ has done for you and get set free from your bitterness. And so I'm just gonna, this, this is what I want you to do. I just want you some of you guys, you've been listening to this and you're like, wow, oh yeah, okay, so I got bitterness. I've got areas, I got some things. And it might feel really overwhelming, right? It might feel really overwhelming. Don't get hung up on all of that. Let's keep it simple. Let's do this one day at a time. Let's start with the, the one issue in your life that continues that is you're trapped on this carousel of hell and it's with this one particular person or this one particular people group okay for me it was men can i just be real with you guys it was men i'd been hurt and victimized by men so i hated men i couldn't trust men i couldn't submit to a man and then what happened was it confused my identity because then i had to become masculine in order to provide what I felt like I needed, right? And that's where I believe a lot of this gender confusion and, um, you know, same-sex attraction comes from, right? And so I had to go through a process of releasing men from the way that they victimized me. And for some of you guys, it could just be a person. It could be your mom. It could be your dad, right? But find Find that person that you are, or that people group, or that situation that you are consistently angry with. Maybe it's yourself, right? And let's let's give this to the Lord. Let's make a choice right now to forgive that person, to release that person, to bless that person, mm -hmm. and to call this issue finished from this day forward. And so I just want you to, wherever you're at, just think of that person and you can just say, Lord, I repent. I recognize this, this area of bitterness in my life. And I am so thankful, God, that you have predetermined to forgive me of my sin as I come to you and I repent of my sin. Father, I recognize forgiveness is supernatural. 
and that it starts with a choice. You made a choice to forgive me. And so God, right now, I make a choice to forgive this person. So guys, I just want you to say that person. I want you to speak it out of your mouth. It's important that you do this because demons are assigned to places in your past. And we're going back to the future, essentially, Mm -hmm. to reverse the curse that entered your life through that incident with that person. Yeah. So God, I make a choice to forgive them. God, I bless them. I don't feel that in my head or in my heart right now, but I make a choice to bless them, God, because you've blessed me. And I call this issue finished. They owe me nothing. They owe me nothing. This issue is finished from this day forward. I take back all the authority that I submitted to bitterness, to anger, to resentment and unforgiveness. And I command these demons to go to the pit now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come with your cleansing flow and wash through the caverns of my soul, God. Purify the water of my heart. Purify the waters in my belly. Remove all the hindrances so that I can walk in the sweetness of what you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I just felt like such a release on that. Like some of you guys are feeling that. You're just feeling this release. Some of you are just crying, you know, and and that is, you know, actually it's funny. The Jews believe that uh, the shedding of blood is the shedding of our flesh, like poisons, toxins in our flesh. Mm. Uh, And tears are actually the shedding of toxins from our soul. Yes. So yeah, so if you're crying right now, that is beautiful. It's actually the Lord purifying your soul um, and getting the bitterness out of you. So yeah, God, we just thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Cool. Yeah, and and the tears, I know, Krista, you've shared on this. You have a word about it. I would encourage anybody to look that up. They're really powerful and they're a gift. And they're actually uh, a weapon against the enemy. But um, this was so powerful. And I I keep thinking about, um, just as we're closing, that this was the plan at the very beginning. When the enemy came in and out of the bigness of God, that whole back to the future thing, he knew you would be here right, right today. Yes. He knew he would be alive right now. And there was a plan at the beginning of all of this. And God, they asked the Trinity, who will go for us? 
whom shall I send? And long before Isaiah responded to that, and before he announced the coming of the birth in the natural of the flesh of Emmanuel, our Lord, the word of God, planned, this is all a plan for you to take everything that you're carrying and everything that's been done to you. He went to that depth actually deeper than we've all been. He was deeper still. And as he was resurrected, this is what he's doing and has done for all of us so that we can be like him free. And he's full of joy. He's full of kindness. Yes, he's a God of justice and he's about his justice now. But there's just been a freedom released and let it just continue over everyone. Man, I just, I got this overwhelming taste of salt in my mouth. (laughs) You know, my name is Elisha, like the prophet who released salt in that, uh, you know, in the Jericho. And actually that the water became pure and the land became fertile and um, it didn't cause barrenness or death anymore. And um, the Lord just spoke to me, Psalms 56, 8. And it said, and I, and this is a word for, for you guys that are starting this journey of total deliverance and freedom from bitterness. And this is your hope, okay? Is that just like David said, who, man, that man went through a lot, all right? Other than Jesus, I think he was probably one of the most wounded, traumatized, betrayed men in all of scripture. Mm-hmm. He said, to God, you've kept track of all my wandering and my weeping. You've stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost for they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. The very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, God is on my side. I trust in the Lord and I praise him. I trust in the word of God and I praise him. What harm could man do to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. My heart overflows with praise to God and for his promises. I will always trust in him. So I'm thanking you with all of my heart, with gratitude for all you've done. I will keep my vows to you, O Lord. I will do everything I've promised you, God, for you have saved my soul from death and my feet from stumbling so that I can walk before the Lord bathed in his life-giving light and presence. And this is a word, this is a spontaneous prophetic word for those of you listening to this broadcast that the Lord, there are two things that can create a a memorial before the Lord's throne in heaven. And that is your tears and that is your giving. Your tears and your giving. In Acts 10, uh, what is it, 40, verse 44, actually, there is a man that is a Gentile believer, Cornelius, I believe his name is, and Peter is actually told in a vision to go to Cornelius's house. And this angel showed up to Cornelius and said, Cornelius, your prayers and your giving to the poor 
your giving has created a memorial before the Lord's throne. So send for this man named Peter, who is going to come to you with a message. And Peter came with the gospel. And this was, it was actually his giving that birthed the Gentile church, right? Because up until then, it had only been Jews that had received the Holy Spirit. But this birthed the Gentile church. Peter came and he said, I'd never be allowed in a Gentile's house as a Jew because you're considered unclean. But the Lord gave me a vision and told me not to call what is uh, clean or what he is called clean, unclean. And as he began to share the gospel that Jesus had died and that he was the Messiah that the prophets spoke about, the Holy Spirit spontaneously came and filled Cornelius, his whole household. So all of his family and his friends because of his giving. So your giving and your tears create a memorial before the Lord. All of your wonder and not just your tears that you've cried because of what has happened to you, but the tears that you cried because of your own sin. God remembers them and they become seeds that produce a harvest of joy. And so it's, but you can only, it's only, see, you know, it's so funny. Tears have salt. Yes. Oh man. Oh, I'm just getting blasted. It's huge. (laughs) It's huge. It's guys, tears have salt in them because the bitter tears that you cried from your past, from the pain of your past, when the grace of God comes like salt, it is an antiseptic to that wound. It is a healing to that, that, that wound, that, that place of sorrow. And it becomes what is needed to produce a harvest of joy in all of your barren places. My God. There is something, yeah, this is, some of you are crying right now. And in fact, you may start laughing because mm. the same the same spirit that bubbles up with the tears, you know, sometimes it's tears that, that ash, they're washing us. Like you said, the salt. Sometimes the, your tears are about something way beyond even you. And God is looking for one to join with him in the earth and weep over something. Yes. And maybe you would be, you're going to be surprised someday what happened because of your tears and that harvest you'll reap as well. But the salt is, uh, even in the natural, they've tried to tell us that salt and sodium is bad for us and we need to cut down our sodium. Well, sometimes it's true depending on what, but it, a lot of it is not true. We need that actually element in our physical body and in the spirit. Yeah. You can't even absorb water. You can't be hydrated without electrolyte salts. Right. I actually right. took a 12 in one uh, cellular salt supplement um, because the Lord told me that some of my health issues were because I was chronically dehydrated. And I'm like, yeah, no, I drink tons of water. And he's like, your body isn't absorbing it because you don't have enough electro, you don't have enough salt. Right. And so guys, it's just crazy. Everything is prophetic. Everything is prophetic. Every yes. Just got <laughs> prophetic revelation I've never had before on yeah. a live podcast, guys. This is so wild. So yeah. Um yeah. and actually I, I saw, you know, guys, where were the places of your tears from your past? Where did you come from? 
you know, um, God is going to use your tears in that place and your tears and intercession crying out for the souls who are still trapped in that place. And then you're going to receive a harvest from your intercession, your, your, your tears that have been, you know, prayers in that area. And either God is going to use you as an evangelist or as a voice to that demographic, or he is going to use your prayer and supplication to raise up other voices in the realm of the spirit to go into those places. But he makes everything beautiful in its time, guys. And so, um, wow. So I'm just going to sum it up right now. And Lord, we just thank you for the salt. We thank you for the purifying of our souls right now. God, we thank you for those bottles of remembrance, the tears. God, you remember the tears of your beloved and you take them personally. And I just see you breaking open these, these bottles of tears and, um, just this refreshing rain falling on people. Yeah. Wow. You're, you're taking all like, it's like lemonade, you know, that this sour stuff, God puts his spirit in it and then he sweetens it. It's, mm. He's refreshing your life. Wow. Thank you, God. I, I hear the Lord saying for many of you, you've thought, I don't ever know how I'm going to get past this. I, I have been struggling with this so long. I, I don't know how it's possible. I don't know if I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And the Lord is just saying, if you will partner with me and make a choice to forgive over and over and over again, to live in the revelation of my grace and my mercy towards you to seek to understand the brokenness of mankind and to recognize who your real enemy is, then you will see freedom. Cool. And, and not only will you see freedom, child, but there will come a day where you look back on every place where the enemy has tried to cause bitterness. Ooh. And you will not regret you will not regret and you will not wish that it had never happened because I will make it as if it never happened. And I will also make the enemy pay for the way that he's hurt you. Whew. And that will be when your joy is full. Wow. Thank you, Father. So we just thank you in advance. Yes, Jesus. We say we are making a choice to rejoice and be glad and be thankful. And Father, I thank you right now for the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise, heaviness coming over people. Whew. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. I even just feel right now some somebody who's been watching, you've been dealing with IBS um, and Crohn's disease. You've been dealing with um, not like having like acidic stomachs, like not being able to digest your food or having digestion issues. And the Lord is healing your gut right now. Like he's, there's a supernatural healing and restoration of your intestines and, and of your stomach. And, um, we break trauma off of you. Wow. Off of the neurons in your belly that have made you 
that have kept the record of the way that you've been wronged. Ooh, wow. Thank you, Father, for that. And I just think this was a key, Krista, the, the bitterness, the bitter root and the salt and all of that is something with the digestion. There's, there's, these are being healed today. Many of you are being healed and you're going to have peace in your body because there's a peace that's come to your life. Yeah. And he is life. He's the living water and there's living water coming out of you and into you and flowing. And Krista, I know you're going to be ministering with um, the first nations people. And I feel that there's an anointing of tears that's preparing the way for what you're doing. Mm. And there's an anointing of tears and the spirit of life and the waters and the streams, just like Elijah streams and Elijah fire that are going in this land that are causing a reconciliation mm. among African and African-American and Native American and First Nations and Eskimo and all kinds of in, in indigenous people in all of the earth, but in this land and preparing for this anointing that God called on the First Nations people of this land. There is an anointing of tears. There is an anointing of warfare. And there is an anointing of worship and dance that is about to break out. So as this new life comes, as the springs begin to flow, watch as the geysers begin to burst in these places of tribal lands. We're recovering and reclaiming these back for these people groups. And they have a call to lead us into this next move. And we are seeing this on September 1st. It is the beginning of the ninth month and it is right ushering in Labor Day. And the Holy Spirit is birthing something. The number nine, Krista spoke of the number nine in, in Acts. We've gone through a resurrection. We went through the death. We're being raised again. And the Holy Spirit is coming upon this land and he is going to use the native voices as the forefront and the worshipers and minstrels and musicians. You're leading the way. And we release the shout of God over your lives because we say we stand with you. We stand with you and we reclaim all that was stolen from you together. And we say this nation was founded on the Lord and God purposed you for a call. And I bless this, this, this thing that you're about to do, Krista. I bless this with what you're about to do and go into. Let the Lord open up every window of heaven for all to come as he wills into that time and all that are meant to be there in the name of Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> Man, that is so confirming. I receive that, Lord. Lord. Ooh. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I'm blasted. I'm like, ooh. I was even thinking Labor Day and waters. Actually, we just just got word this morning that our third Speak Life baby was born, and the mom is Rachel. So she literally got pregnant and is was due um, or found out she was pregnant on the day of the anniversary of her abortion. Mm. And uh, but her name is Rachel, and. she she had her first little girl this morning and she named her Rosemary. Wow. And so listen, I remember I opened up with a rose and the rose of Sharon. Do you know that yeah. the name Mary means bitter? Oh, Mara. Yeah, Mary. Miriam. Mary. Mm, yeah. And it means bitter or sea of bitterness. And so I knew that, and, and she's African-American and Cherokee. Oh my goodness. So I knew when I got that message today um, wow. that our, our women's pastor had 
been present for her birth as a, as a doula, um, that God was birthing something and that it was prophetic for what's getting ready to happen um, with the First Nations. So do it. Powerful. Yes, Yes, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Krista, this has been a profound and amazing. And for all of you, let it continue through the weekend, this Labor Day weekend that's upon us. Something new is coming, and it is the Holy Spirit, and it is the ninth month. And it nine is representative of all that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and in our land. So, Krista, I know you. Um, we have your website up there, KristaElisha.com. Is there anywhere else that anyone can follow you, connect with you? So, you if you go there, you will find all my outlets, my shop. You'll find um, links to all the different kinds of stuff I do in my ministry, podcasts. Um, but I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. You just type in Christy Elisha and then look for joy because that's actually my second middle name. Uh, I'm on Instagram and I'm on TikTok and I'm on Rumble. So yay on all those channels. And um, is there a room at the event coming up that we were? Yeah, it's totally free. It's open to the public. It's um, you can actually, if you go to my Facebook page or actually if you go to the website and you go to the events tab, it'll be listed there and it'll have the address. Um, It's going to be near Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh, Uh, wow. So on the actual reservation. So, um, but it's open to the public and they, they receive everybody. So um, I would encourage anybody that can get there. If you live in Arizona, this will be powerful. It will. I'm really excited about some of the other speakers that are going to be there too. My friend, Harmony Klingenmeyer um, and uh, Genevieve Skidmore. She's powerful. My friends, um, Ron and Tida Harvey, they were just at Robin Bullock's church um, with the gathering of tribal nations. there. all amazing. Ron is hilarious. He's like, (laughs) you listen to this man preach and he is so funny while he's preaching. Um, I love it he had me cracking up the last time I heard him. So it'll be amazing. And it's free. Wow. Okay. Well, I wouldn't, yes, that sounds amazing. Everybody go and be praying over Krista and all the ones she just mentioned for that. Um, Everybody, it is so good to have you back. Um, Just a note that we will be um, having our next show. It will not be on Monday because of Labor Day. So it will be on uh, Tuesday, September 5th. I believe that is, Uh, I believe it's September 5th. So Tuesday following, just following the Monday Labor Day, and we will have as our guest, um, Spencer Nakamura. So he will be on on Tuesday. So please join us back then with Spencer. Remember that you can, if you've been touched by by Elijah Fire and this whole team here um, that are really making an impact all across the nation and the earth um, through you and your giving, if you feel to give, no amount is too small. And you can do that at ElijahFire.com slash donate. And we are so thankful for you. Thank you, Krista. Blessings on you and the rest of your day and blessings on all of your weekend, this Labor Day weekend. Remember to tune in on Tuesday and that will be with Spencer Nakamura. You do not want to miss it. Thank you, everybody. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. 
Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. 